calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, this is Jean-Michel Jarre, and you are listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> and uh, in French, va te faire foutre, Josh. <laughs> what's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Huh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels that are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Lamine, and this week my very special guest is Jean-Michel Jarre, the pioneer, legendary electronic music producer. Uh, Jean-Michel is a fascinating character. I think for, for most people, um, you may never have heard of him. I wasn't really familiar with him. And it turns out this dude is, uh, is, is a legend. He's sold over 80 million records around the world. He's a UNESCO Goodwill Ambassador. The guy's played massive groundbreaking shows in China and Saudi Arabia, all over the world. And he's had a huge influence on so many um, probably your favorite electronic music producer. So really interesting career this man has built. Uh, he's got a speaker company. He's got all kind of stuff going on that we learn about in our interview. He's got a fascinating take on why creativity requires a certain amount of frustration. Definitely an interesting perspective that I hadn't heard before. And some great lessons from really an extraordinary career. Coming up with Jean-Michel Jarre right after our EDM.com track of the week. In all the memories, you will stay for eternity. In all our memories, your smile, your touch, we will never forget. You gave so much, we will never forget. You will stay in all our memories. So that was Revo with Stay In Our Memories, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. And let's get into our interview now with Jean-Michel Jarre. You will 
exactly. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for making time. Sounds like you have a very busy schedule. Yeah. As as I'm sure uh, as I'm sure you do. Um, you know, you have such an incredible body of work and, and accomplishments, and I want to talk about all of it. Um, but I always like to kind of get started at the very beginning. So, do you remember the first record you ever bought? Yeah, I mean, it, it was um, the first record I bought myself mm. was uh, one of the first Ray Charles EP. Yeah. Was Georgia in my mind on one uh, side, and what I say on the other side. That's really a, 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 a record that I I think I, I still have it somewhere. Is that right? Yeah, that's cool. And it's a, it's it's a, it's a, you know I've always been impressed by by people and musicians. I mean, having this kind of quest for sound. Mm -hmm. It's what I like in jazz. It's what I like in electronic music. It's actually sure. the and and in Ray Charles, where by the end of the day, what you what you like. What you love about an artist is, uh, okay, songs, melodies, lyrics, but the sound, their sound. Mm -hmm. you, 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 it's true for Aretha Franklin, it, it's true for Ray Charles, it's true for, for the Beatles, for Dead Mouse, for yeah. anybody. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so what were you into growing up? Well, Actually, I, I, um, I'm born in Lyon, which uh, is the second city of France. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I grew up in, in France. And uh, my parents split up when I was five years old, so I grew, really grew up far away from uh, his influence. I, uh, my, my, my dad actually moved very, quite early in this city. He, he was a great soundtrack composer. He did uh, soundtracks such as uh, Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago. And, Actually, I grew up quite far away, unfortunately, from uh, his influence. Mm. So um, I grew up with my mom in uh, in uh, in France, and my mom was um, a very uh, special person. She was a great figure in the French Resistance. Mm. She's she uh, she's been caught three times by the Nazis, and she she escaped. I mean, wow. She was quite quite, uh, and it's it's funny because I mean, talking about her, I mean, this week I just heard that. Um, the city of Lyon, my our hometown, because she's also from Lyon, mm -hmm. like my dad. I mean, they decided to give uh, the name of my mom to a street. Oh, cool! So it's it's really fun to think that people are going to uh, to live, uh, to love, to die in a, in a street uh, uh, with the name of my my mom. It's, That's it's so cool. Something quite quite cool. Yes. Nice. Yeah, you have to and, uh, you have to buy a house there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then uh, and and uh, I and she taught me uh, something very important that really influenced me a lot in my life. It's actually to make a difference between ideology and people. Okay. For instance, a difference between German people and Nazis. Sure. And that was not that uh, common in those days uh, after the war. After the war, and uh, that I think it's that's, not that common today. No, exactly. Yeah. And this is the reason why that in in my life I always uh, choose also to uh, to be against any kinds of boycott. Being the, the the first musician to play China after mm -hmm. Mao's time in 
kind of controversial time, mm-hmm. and until very recently, where where I played uh, Saudi Arabia, just that was two weeks ago, yeah. and uh, it was a historical moment because for the first time, it's a historic moment for different reasons. First of all, the first time that uh, uh, a concert was uh, uh, allowed out outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, with 50,000 people and, and more with mixed audience with yeah. men and women mixed together Amazing. and to see all these young girls I mean clapping and, and moving that <laughs> it was quite surreal yeah bad. And, and you know it's 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 very important I always consider that it's very important for artists to um, not to be in a sense saying okay if uh, if a country is not uh, uh, if the power in place is generating ideals or acts that may harm freedom of expression or freedom, full point, we shouldn't go there. It's the reverse. If we don't go there, uh, we are we are, we we we're then collaborating with the radicaliz- radicalization Absolutely. and uh, alienation. Yeah. So uh, and and if you can contribute to change, it's what artists can do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's. Uh, I mean, I think that's so. T- so true for all of life that what what we need as humans is togetherness and yet we tend to isolate people whether it's sending our kids off to their rooms or putting people in jails or you know ostracizing or for whatever reason kicking people out of the tribe exactly which generally only makes things worse yeah it's exactly that and uh, this is the reason why I'm, I'm I don't understand some of my colleagues saying, no, no, I don't want to, to go in this country or that country. I mean, if you, if on top of the fact that people are, are having problems with their regime and with the, the system, you, you are punishing them a second time by right. not, not giving them access to culture, to movies, to music, to literature, to, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wrong, wrong thing to do yeah. or not to do. Check it out, this episode of Rebel Radio is brought to you by Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is your online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit you, your budget, your lifestyle. We signed signed Christy up for it, and I got to watch her go through the process. Really interesting, in-depth questionnaire about her personal style, what, um, you know, colors, designers, uh, just overall what she likes and doesn't like. And then she got to pick out, you know, what her box would look like with, uh, if she wanted shoes, clothes, bags, if she wanted casual clothes, work clothes, all that stuff. She just got her first box and she loved it. She kept all of the items in it um, and was really excited to, to add those things to her wardrobe. You can check out Stitch Fix yourself. Just go to stitchfix.com rebel. Give them your sizes, what styles you like, and and even tell them how much you want to spend on each item. They have a personal stylist that will handpick items just for you. And um, you get the box, you only pay for what you love, return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required. You get the box whenever you want, keep what you like. Um, Very simple. There's a styling fee, it's only $20, which then gets applied to anything you keep from your shipment. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash rebel. You'll get an extra 25% off just for listening to Rebel Radio when you keep all of the items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash rebel to get started today. 
stitchfix.com slash rebel. Um, going back a little bit, when did you realize that this was your path, that you were going to be a professional musician? Different, different moments, different, uh, different moments. I mean, one, one thing which really influenced me a lot is actually my mom was, uh, her best friend was, uh, uh, after the war, she created one of the most influential jazz club in Paris, modern jazz club. But it was called the Fishing Cat, the Chaki mm. Pêche in French. And, uh, and there, so she was, we were going to visit her on Sundays, uh, sometimes every maybe one or two, twice a week, a uh, month. And then I was going like a little kid uh, hanging around, I was going down to the club. And I saw there some people, I, I had no idea about who, well, who they were, but these, these guys were Archie Chep, John Coltrane, Chet Baker, Don Cherry. Wow. And I remember that for my eighth birthday, uh, Chet Baker sat me on the upright piano and he played trumpet for five minutes like this. Wow. And each time I remember that, I, 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 I still feel the air of the instrument on my chest. And that's probably one of my first real em emotion about what sounds create. I mean, the sounds create on your body yeah. in, a, in a physical way. And uh, my grandparent, my grandfather also has um, been a, a great influence on, on me. He was, a, he was an engineer, an inventor. He was musician always. He used to play hobo, but for, for his own pleasure. Was not, and he created one of the first mixing desks mm. before the war, and also um, one of the, the first in Europe, uh, you know, turn, uh, portable turntable mm -hmm. with batteries built in, and uh -huh. the, the, the ancestor of the iPod, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember that we were going to picnic to listen to Edith Piaf, and, oh, uh, yeah. you know, and, and all, all, all these, and jazz and things like this. So I've been, I've been quite influenced by, I mean, through him by the relationship between music and technology. Yeah. And then I, uh, I went into, uh, I used to play in rock bands, I studied uh, classical music, and then I went into a, a fantastic, fantastic school called um, uh, Music Research Center. I mean, the, the first actually uh, school or center for studying electronic music, mm. uh, ended by uh, my mentor and professor called Pierre Schaeffer, with really the guy who invented all. I mean, the, I mean, the the, the the DJs these days are grand grandsons of this guy. Sure. He he's the first one to have um, said that music is not only based on notes, based on solfeggio, but but really uh, based on sounds. And you mm -hmm. can record, uh, you can go outside with a microphone and uh, and uh, and recording the sound of the rain, of the of the of the wind, of the of the street and making music yeah. with it, wow. which is actually he defined and he created the importance of sound design into mm -hmm. music composition, mm -hmm. what we are all doing these days. Yeah. So then you had this massive hit with Oxygen. Um, 
it sounds like, if I'm understanding correctly, it, it, it took a while to kind of find your sound here in rock bands, and right? And then, so how did you, how do you go through that process? How do you push yourself to keep experimenting? And You know, I've always been interested, when, when I was in uh, this music uh, uh, research center, uh, we were really at kind of avant-garde and, and, and really, uh, uh, like what what was called at that time contemporary music, the serious contemporary music, and then I've always been interested by by the rock scene and pop scene, and and, and then when I left, I said, okay, I w really would like to create that bridge mm. between rock, pop, and experimentation, and actually, I always considered that the melody is the most important thing in music, mm -hmm. so injecting melody with experimentation, what was I had in mind, and with this kind of uh, Impressionist, impressionistic or impressionist approach of uh, of music. I was really uh, very influenced. I've always been very influenced by paintings and, and visuals, and uh, the idea in people such as Jackson Pollock or, mm -hmm. or Soulage in Europe. I mean these uh, these people. I mean, I mean doing and creating. I mean perspectives, architecture of lines and points or whatever just with their hands in a very organic, sensual way. Yeah. And I, I always considered the electronic music as cooking in, uh, mm. I, mean, I mean, cooking loops and beats yeah. and textures and waveforms in a very sensual, organic way. And I think electronic music is much less cerebral or intellectual than you may think. It's, it's something very, very, very organic, yeah. even, even more than uh, just the, the traditional way of uh, uh, composition where you, you, you you write notes on a piece of paper, mm -hmm. and it's all in your head, and then you give that to musicians, to an orchestra, to play the music you have in your mind. Mm -hmm. Where, with electronic music, you, you actually shape your sounds yourself. You are your own craftsman. You, you, it's, a, it's a more direct connection with the result. Yeah. Well, you, so you mentioned the, how visuals inspire you, and I think we see that in your performances. Um, and it, you know, it strikes me now when you go to Coachella. You know, the screens have taken over. Yeah. Um, and you know, everyone that has to now be part of the show, uh, which it wasn't three or four years ago, except for you've been doing that now for a really long time. Um, what do you think you understood that that the world is now catching on to? Actually. Uh at a very early stage, for uh, when I said, "Okay, I would like to perform electronic music," I I, I really felt that uh, uh, a good way to do it was to uh, involve some um, uh, visual elements, such as uh, electronic videos and, and, and lights and lasers, and to to uh, to actually uh, uh, expand the the music performance. Uh, on stage, because mm -hmm. the main difference between electronic instruments and, and rock or classical instruments is actually, in the case of a trumpet, a violin, uh, electric guitar, strato, castor, or whatever, I mean, these instruments have been designed and devised for playing on stage, right. for sharing music with people, where for electronic instruments is the reverse. We, they, they, they've been devised and designed to be in studio, mm -hmm. and then we try to make to make them relevant on stage, right. and uh, I mean, even back in time, I mean, 
being trapped two hours behind your synthesizer or, or now behind your laptop is not the most sexy and exciting thing to sure. share with the audience. Yeah. Uh, on top of it, people don't really understand. The, they don't make the relationship between what they see you playing and the sound they hear. Mm -hmm. With the violin, culturally, you understand that uh, when you do this, you're going to produce that sound. Sure. When you do that, you're going to produce the sound of a trumpet. For electronic music, you can, with, with a with just a laptop or a synthesizer, basically creating <laughs> masses of sound. So I, I, at a very early stage, I thought it, it could be uh, really interesting to have this uh, kind of visual connection. And, uh, and also, I've always been interested by architecture and uh, outdoor, uh, outdoor situation. And then uh, I'm, I actually, I, I've been really the first one, I think, to, uh, to also think about giant projections, what, what yeah. would become mapping later on. Yeah. And uh, and then it's true that now, e even in those days, I mean, even bands in in, in the rock scene, bands like such as the, the Stones or even U2, they were they were just a band with lights and playing guitar and all that. And and, right. and then they came into this kind of uh, audiovisual show, which is very, which is the natural development of uh, of um, of show these days, like uh, opera was in the 19th century, mm -hmm. where suddenly great musicians such, such as Wagner or Verdi or whoever, I mean, suddenly they, they, they work with carpenters and painters and scenographs to, to create something yeah. more. Yeah. Um, and so how do you push that forward? I read something that, that you said on the new album, you started with the visual concept. So how, how does that work? You know, when, when, I, when I started uh, electronic music, you, you had... Uh, nothing behind so my influences were really more into movies and movies such as uh, 2001 mm -hmm. uh, space odyssey and these kind of uh, movies and and uh, i've always uh, uh, been inspired by by visuals more than by music actually mm. um, my music also but but the visuals sure. for me are, are always been quite important and uh, and for this new album uh, it was uh, the idea went because we, we to celebrate the anniversary of the release of the first Equinox, my second album after Oxygen. Mm -hmm. uh, I always loved the the cover, this cover with with these strange creatures. I don't know if you going to show it to you. It's what for me. It's one of the most iconic vinyl vinyl covers of all time. I mean, this this very strange creatures. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You know this, this, uh, mm -hmm. and then I, I said, like, okay, you call these them watchers. Yeah, these watchers. What happened to them forty years later, and yeah. what what happened? What would happen to them in forty years from now? Yeah. And then I found a, a young artist on Instagram called Philip Odas, and uh, he's a Czechy. He's very, he's living in Prague, mm. and I said, okay, I really would like to have that now. I mean, to define two covers for the, the uh, two two artwork for the album. Mm -hmm. One symbolizing the kind of positive future and having this timeless type of uh, mm -hmm. watches that would be this, cool. and the other one darker with a darker future mm. where we have ma machines and and um, machines and and um, and humans where I mean just destroying the the whole thing. Yeah. And then I started from that and and having declination of different. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. different uh, artwork and, and like this is inside and all, all these kind of things. Mm. And then I, cool. I got that before 
starting the music and yeah. then I I did the music as the soundtrack of this this visual it's the mm. first time I did that I mean and I I think it's quite in in, uh, in sync and in phase with uh, the fact that there is a, a big revival of um, of, uh, of vinyls these days yeah. and uh, 60 percent of vinyls are never played because people are right? downloading music wow. and they just have the, the, the artwork and, <coughs> and using I mean having this kind of relationship of I mean, regarding the object rather yeah. than the music inside. Yeah. So I said it's quite cool to think about the fact that this music could be the soundtrack of both possibilities. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so uh, does that change? Starting that way, does that change your experience of making the record? Yeah, it's it's a, it was uh, it was a real fun actually. You know, yeah. you you after a few albums, you need to have to to for yourself. I mean, for myself, I don't know for other people, but. No, it doesn't. You have thousands of albums being released uh, every day. Yeah. So after a while, you say it's it's not necessary to add one if you don't have at least for yourself a good reason. Yeah. And and that I think is quite an interesting approach to to start the recording process by the visual. I never I never did that before, and I really enjoyed it a lot. And I must say that it's probably I've not been necessarily happy after the, the end of the recording and mixing. But for this this one, uh, I'm really happy with the result. I think mm. it's one of uh, the most faithful result of the idea you have when you start a project. Interesting. If you're enjoying this one, uh, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives, check out my interview with another creative master, Taz, Jim Evans, the great uh, painter, art director, He's got some lessons about how to stay out of a creative rut or get out of one if you're in it. That's part of our Artwork Rebels series that we do in partnership with Gorilla One and co-hosted by my man Eddie Donaldson. I think you'll like that one, but of course, let's finish up now with Jean-Michel Jacques. Why are you typically not happy with the, with the end product? Because I think that for the... Uh, because I think creative process is a mixing of uh, frustration and hope. The frustration that uh, you could do better, the hope that next time it will be less worse, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Do you think of yourself as a marketer? Uh, I don't think so. I think that uh, these days, uh, what I feel is I always need a kind of uh, concept around mm -hmm. my work. Uh, if then this cons this concept can be marketed, this is the the work of other people, record sure. companies, labels, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, well, I was I was thinking about um, there's a record I think it was 1983 you put out where you made one copy. Yeah. Um, so I know Wu Tang Clan did that about four years ago, and it was you know called revolutionary. Um, how how did you know you could do that back then? Actually, th that was um, not for. It was a kind of anti-marketing <laughs> approach sure. because you know the record company was not particularly happy about that. Yeah, bet. I mean, suddenly that my next studio album is going to be done with one copy and we <laughs> destroy the master after that. Yeah. And but the the, the whole idea was a statement again. Uh, regarding the, the the industry, the music industry, saying, guys, be careful. You are you are. You, are, you, are, you take a big risk by killing the old music industry by mm. selling 
CDs in supermarkets, killing the tower records and, and all the uh, uh, record shops sure. and, and selling basically music as toothpaste or, or, or yogurts. Yeah. And, and it was quite premoni premonitory because it, it became exactly a situation later on with uh, Seems like the internet. Seems like nobody listened. Exactly, nobody <laughs> listened. And, and it's, it's, it's trying to see how cool the music industry was at the beginning, the 60s, yeah. and how it, becomes, it became a kind of spoiled, spoiled child and not understanding at all all the changes of society, which would be, which, which when you are looking back is strange. Because you could, you could really think that, I mean, the music industry, the music sector, is a cool one, mm -hmm. and they didn't. They become, they became not cool at all by by wanting to put uh, the uh, uh, the teenagers in, in in jail because they were downloading uh, on the internet and, right. and so on and so forth, not understanding the changes of society step by step, yeah. and and uh, so in that in that sense, I think that uh, the reason why that actually artists more and more they have to, to to be open to do their own marketing for their, their own projects That's right. because uh, because the, the the business at the moment is so so strange and so unbalanced and where, where people uh, trying to I mean I've, I've always been uh, amazed by the fact that the, the people the, the major actors of the music industry they all have uh, certitudes Mm. And uh, and these attitudes are changing every two years, sure. and and they can explain you exactly the reverse of what they were saying two years before with the same enthusiasm and the That's same right. naivety. You know? It's quite like politicians, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same. Well, you know, you seem to be hearing you talk like this. You, you seem to have made a, a career out of um, trying to bring awareness to things that people are trying to ignore. Yeah, Whether it's, it's a, environmental. Or you know, the, as you say, the changes in the music business or technology. Um, what does that feel like? I mean, that's actually you, you. I suppose that you do your these kind of things first of all to survive yourself and your family. Mm. And, and and saying you know, when I first released Oxygen, we were not that many to um, to be aware and conscious about environment and and. Uh, Ecology, environmental issues. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean that was that was 1976. Yeah, and, and, and environmentalism wasn't. No, we were considered as kind of neo hippie or yeah. dreamers, yeah. and then step by step, today everybody on the planet are pretty aware of sure. the danger of and, and and the problem, and and today is the same thing for intellectual property, for instance. The fact that if you are not protecting or respecting authors and creators. You won't you won't have the next for the next generation the next the next Tarantino the next Kubrick the next Coldplay the next uh, Aretha Franklin and yeah. uh, and and, uh, and then we, we have to uh, and it's uh, strange how and partly in the music industries that make me think about people doing uh, uh, or politicians they are uh, on the bike looking at their feet rather than looking at the road yeah. and this is what uh, I, I really learned also with UNESCO. I mean, I, I have a huge respect for this organization because it's, a, it's an organization actually thinking about 25 years ahead. And uh, you don't have that many entities, organizations being mm -hmm. like this. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that, it sounds like, you, you know, you mentioned earlier that you're, you're promoting this current album and at the same time you're working on the next one. Um, 
how do, how do you keep your mind in two places at once? Actually, because the um, because there are two 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 different projects. I have a side project that I started uh, uh, five years ago called Electronica. And uh, it's, it's a project based on collaborations mm -hmm. in days where, speci especially in the electronic music world, you are like a writer or a painter, quite isolated in your own studio, in your own atelier. Yeah. And um, I thought it was very important for me. I was uh, going through a quite dark moment in my life when I, at the same time, I, I lost m both of my parents and mm -hmm. my, my publisher. and painful divorce and all that. So I, I need to open the door and I said it would be cool to, to collaborate with uh, uh, artists linked to technology, linked mm -hmm. to the electronic music scene, uh, who've been a source of inspiration to me. So uh, uh, and then I, I tried to, con I started to contact people and everybody said yes. So I, start, I finished by edited by 32 collaborations and, nice. and, and a massive project with two albums, Electronica 1 and 2. And, And uh, I've got uh, a nomination at the Grammys. I mean, last year for that, and it was a, a very good, a very positive thing, not only for me but for all the, these collaborators. So it yeah. went from MET3 to Pete Townsend and Moby and Hans Zimmer and Tangerine Dream, Massive Attack. I mean, lots of different different people, Vince Clark and uh, Gary Newman, lots lots of different artists. And then I decided to 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 go on with this side project, and uh, and the next one will. will Electronica 3 probably will mm. be will be another uh, attempt to collaborate with different kind of people. So yeah. I, I, what, what did you learn about yourself through those collaborations? I think that uh, uh, lots of things because first of all the generosity of uh, of uh, of lots of artists. I mean, you know, it's not easy to open your door. Like, like kids saying, "Okay, come, come to my bedroom, and we are going to share my toys." You know, that's not that easy yeah. as grown-ups and, and adults. And and also the the, the idea that uh, uh, working with people who have an instant recognizable sound, the fact that uh, people are approaching composition in a different way than than yourself. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember a session, first sessions I did with Moby here in the in the city, and we we started and it just. I went with a demo and uh, just uh, just play a D minor with just three notes like a five years kid could do and it was Moby. Yeah. You know that that's that's something that uh, it's uh, it's what you call style mm -hmm. and that all these great musicians have 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 worked with they have definitely their own style definitely. Yeah. So I want to talk about side projects because I know you've got many, um, including a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw you have a speaker company. Yes, that that's a, it's a it's another sm uh, it has, it's a small company, but I, I was quite interested by by I'm always been interested by design and uh, and uh, and technology and mm. and then we, we did this kind of crazy speakers that look like one is like a skull with sunglasses and the sunglasses have uh, have speakers. That's the other cool. one is a kind of Jeff Koons type of dog, uh -huh. French bulldog, where the 
boomer and the, the subwoofer is on the back of the oh, dog okay. and it's a big dog like this oh, so cool. it's quite 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 cool we are, we're not trying to compete with bose or sony yeah, but sure. it's more yeah. i like to have fun you know yeah so how do you well, i want to talk about the podcast but but in general you have so many demands on your time and your attention how do you decide what to say yes to you know, it's it's really uh, uh, just a, a matter of, for instance, I'm, I'm very much into AI these days and, and VR, and mm -hmm. especially for the next album. And then you, you, you decide, I decide, I'm, I'm deciding on, on on the case and say, okay, I'm going to, to dedicate my time to, uh, to, to that. And, and for me, every day is a kind of a new <laughs> challenge. I bet. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think that the, the I always considered music and, and creation as an addiction mm. I would say actually to okay I'm, I'm feel very privileged to have uh, the life I have but uh, I would say that for a young young guy if you if your priority in life is happiness don't be an artist because it's uh, you know right. I thought that you know I probably uh, spend more times with machine than with with human beings sure I don't know if, I don't know if it's the right thing to do except the fact that maybe it's very premonitory about about the future when you think about AI and algorithm and robots that, Absolutely. Uh, that's going to change our life nobody is talking really at all about the fact that within the next 10 years we are going to uh, live the, the biggest revolution of all time because when algorithm and AI will be able to to create original music original yes. movies original books it's a it's already it's not the case yet because I wanted for this album to collaborate with uh, really with AI and we're still in the in the situation where um, we can laboriously imitate or copy a Michael Jackson song mm. or sure. but it's changing every every time I think that yeah. next year for my next project I'll be able to do to, to, to do that and that's going to change our relationship with uh, with day-to-day -day life but with creation because uh, uh, how then for instance, to think about copyrights or intellectual property when robots are going to create their own stuff and, and as as good as a human being could do. So that's yeah. going to change our relationship with uh, creativity per se. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, I have a little lightning round that uh, I'd like to finish up with before we get out of your way. Um, What's your favorite city to travel to? Los Angeles and uh, Shanghai. Mm. Uh, they, and, uh, and, and quite recently, I must say that Riyadh, I mean, impressed me a lot in Saudi Arabia. I just did this concert two weeks ago. Saudi Arabia, this, this country is changing every minute. I mean, two thirds of the population is under 35. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that makes me think about Tokyo in the 90s or yeah. Shanghai at the beginning of the century. Yeah. It's, uh, and they are thinking about the after petrol, the, the after 2030, and uh, investing a lot of in solar energy, solar mm -hmm. panels. Actually, the concert I've done was uh, 
the, the back line was entirely powered by uh, solar panels oh, and solar cool. energy, so it was quite yeah. cool. Yeah. You know, talk about that for a minute. You've played some of the largest shows ever in history. Um, you know, Moscow, China, France, Riyadh, as you mentioned. Um, what does that feel like? Uh, quite humble and uh, and and also uh, uh, I I still don't don't uh, don't understand it because I, I've never you know all these all these um, uh, concerts and, and shows I've been asked to do them it's mm. not one morning I said okay I want to play the pyramids I want to play China but people came to me after the one concert I've done in Paris what was a kind of a, underground experimentation for me I mean by by going outside with using big projections and all that and one million people came along mm -hmm. I said it took it took me one year to recover of the shock of that yeah and then after that I had proposals on from different countries and uh, I must say that it's 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 a, a fantastic experience because you, you you mix so many different elements then you don't never you never will never mix all these different elements in a regular tour sure I mean, politics and social issues and education and, and, and uh, street artists and uh, underground artists and dissidents and, uh, and, and fun. And uh, it's like um, sometimes uh, shooting apocalypse now in one night. You know? uh -huh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, who's your favorite DJ? Uh, I would say... Uh, there is a, a, a French guy I really love called Ron, a, 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 a newcomer, very, very talented. Cool. What's the last great book you read? The last what? Great book. Uh, it's uh, London Burning by Kate Tempest. Mm. It's a fantastic book. I really recommend. It's nice. a fantastic book. It's, I'll read you know, it. Kate Tempest is the, I don't know if you heard no. about her, she's a young British uh, hip hop artist. Oh, cool. And she's 24, yeah. and she got this book that uh, has been uh, considered by the New York Times as one of the best book of the year. I mean, it's a fantastic book. Nice. Yeah. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. What movie have you seen the most in your life? Uh, 2001, The Space Odyssey. Mm -hmm. When it has been released, I went, uh, I went every night for, for a week. Wow. To watch the movie, yeah. it, it, didn't, it never happened to me. <laughs> Is that right? Uh, no, never, never uh, since. Yeah. And uh, I've been so proud to see that uh, when uh, 2010 the sequel has been released, I was in London. I read the book and I saw my name in the acknowledgements. Oh, and cool. Arthur C. Clarke was saying that he was thanking me for having written the sequel, listening to my music. Oh wow! We became quite good friends. So it's another way. Amazing. Of of uh, being linked to this project. Yeah. Tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Actually, uh, uh, probably uh, um, going into the, that, that school of electronic music. Suddenly, mm -hmm. it was the student revolution. It was an ideal uh, way to rebel mm -hmm. against the establishment of rock and classical music. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think, uh, maybe the best or the worst decision in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, complete the sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. Yes. What? What? What do you want me to react on that? So, what is the? How would you describe if it's not your talent that's given led you to the success that you've had? What is it? Uh, obstination. Mm. Nice. So, if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Um, 
what I would say mm. over and over. Uh, maybe we should ask your manager. Yes, <laughs> that's true. yeah. Ask my manager. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, sure. Sure. Why yeah. Not? Ask, ask, asking you. You have to answer to that one. So the question is, if I worked for him, what's something I would hear him say over and over? <laughs> what's something you hear him over and over? He speaks a lot. Yeah. So that's point number one. So he says a lot of things over and over. Um, <laughs> how do you say it? Um, Sorry to put you on the spot. You are actually, yeah, but I, I like it. I like the challenge. Let me see if I can rise to it, though. Uh, nothing's impossible. Mm. Fantastic. Nothing's good. impossible. That's a good. It's long, but it's good. <laughs> uh, lastly, I, I know you've had impact on so many people. Who would you be most excited to learn appreciates your work? I think uh, who? Yeah. Miles Davis, maybe. Mm. I mean, I have a huge admiration. Is for yeah. me the Picasso of music, Picasso object. He opened so many different doors, and uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's um, it's very interesting to uh, what makes an, an what. The problem of, of any creator is actually all your, it's what Federico Fellini, the Italian director, told me one day when I was young and he was the end of, the, of his life. He said, you know, Jean-Michel, I, I always thought that uh, I was doing a different movie every time. I was so excited. And then looking back, I realized that I always did the same one. Mm. And it was the declination of the same idea. Yeah. And I think for every artist it's true. There is nothing new. I mean, every, uh, this is... Uh, this is a desperate comment. It's a very tragic comment for PR. <laughs> Actually, for every album, there is nothing new. For every movie, there is nothing new. Because if you if you think about Tarantino, for instance, he's, he's always doing the same movie. Yeah. The Beatles, always the same kind of the songs. Or yeah. Kubrick. Why? Because it's a, it's a style. And then you are you are making a declination of this style, trying one day to to do the ideal movie or the ideal piece of music or the ideal novel. And I think that it what makes us going on as long as you, your body can carry you you don't retire because uh, it's this kind of obsession of trying to get it right one day yeah and probably will, you'll never achieve well that's that. the, that's the frustration you're talking about yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i've seen some research that that's what that's what we want as listeners is we want this we want something that sounds the same but feels new yeah i mean this is the the impossible challenge is to satisfy your fans yeah. Because if you do the same thing, they say it's the same. If you do, if you don't do the same thing, they say why not being closer to what you've done with We Love so much. That's right. And, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, by the end of the day, don't listen to anybody. <laughs> Try to survive by with your own uh, with your own ideas. Yeah. And this is true for everybody. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. This is fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. That was Jean-Michel Jarre on Rebel Radio. I hope you loved it as much as I did. Uh, leave us a review or a comment. You can get us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. Facebook is the same. YouTube, go check out videos from a lot of our episodes. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace. I want to give a special shout out to uh, the homies who have their own podcast, A Tribe Called Dad, DJ Hoppa, DJ Spider, who have both been guests on the show multiple times. Uh, we've got two episodes with each of them. 
and they've come together and create created a really cool podcast talking about fatherhood, um, dads who have interesting jobs, who, you know, dads who uh, make culture or uh, creative for a living and what and what fatherhood is like. They were generous enough to welcome me on their show last week. And uh, we did a couple episodes together. Uh, might be fun stuff if you're interested. Definitely, if you have kids, it's, it's worth a listen. Check out A Tribe Called Dad on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts.